1: Good morning. This is the AMA Omaha Actionable Marketing Podcast. I am Mary Kate Gulick, and here with me today is Lauren McDonald, Programming Director, Marketing Research at Acoustic. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm doing great. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. How are you holding up under the uh, the given circumstances?
0: Yeah, actually, you know, pr- pretty well. I live out here uh, on the on the West Coast in the Bay Area, and have actually worked from home for twelve years. So. This whole sort of work from home thing has, uh, you know, I'm confused why so, so many people are struggling with it because it's <laughs> been my life. Uh, the, the only thing I would say is, is as we, we were chatting before uh, we started, is uh, I've avoided doing the video conference call thing for a long time. So that that's probably been the, the biggest change. That and uh, working for an East Coast Centric company. All of a sudden, uh, the 6 a.m., seven a.m. conference calls are becoming the norm. My time. So, uh, other than that, I'm doing well. Family is safe, and good. we're all good.
1: Yeah, those adjustments can be a little challenging. I found myself. Do you know what is weighing heavily on my mind these days? Which is ridiculous. Hair dye. Hair dye. Oh,
0: it's funny you mentioned yeah. that. My my college daughter is is obviously home from college because classes were canceled and she was actually dying my wife's hair the other day because she's you know can't go to the to the beautician or whatever so uh yeah lots of changes
1: lots of changes. And I didn't think that one would be such a big deal, but you know, people are are freaking out, especially with video calls that, you know, your roots are coming in and you have to look your best on a video call. Um, there's a salon here in town that started, their colorists have started going, um, one at a time to the salon, mixing color for their clients and, um, leaving them the bags on their porches so that uh, with instructions on how to, how to do their own root care. And I was thinking, you know, for a small business, you know, a vertical that's really being hit hard by this, that is a very clever way to continue getting revenue. Um, The stylist still gets paid and um, you know, women like me don't have to worry about looking our actual age. So I thought that was a really clever and innovative pivot for them. Have you, have you seen anything like that with some of the businesses that you're working with? How are people uh, adapting to the circumstances and kind of making changes to their own businesses to survive.
0: Yeah, no, great, great question. And, and, and great example. I mean, we're, we're seeing it, um, you know, I think innovation and agility and, and being able to pivot quickly uh, are probably the, you know, the sort of the single biggest things that, that have come out of this, right. When we, when we look at businesses, whether it's the sort of the corner deli or the, you know, or it's sort of the hair culling salon, uh, all the way up to, you know, hotel chains and, and airlines and, and, and major retailers and sort of, air, and, you know, and B2B companies that used to do, uh, you know, physical events and now are pivoting and, and doing webinars, right? Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing three webinars this week and six, you know, within a 10 day period, because literally all of, uh, You know, like a lot of the events, whether it was our own or others at sort of, you know, uh, regular uh, like marketing industry events are all moving to to online and virtual events and webinars. And so we're seeing, you know, lots of companies. The biggest issue, you know, for a lot of companies was sort of just first making those sort of business decisions around understanding when they needed to pivot. Right, like uh, just, and none of us were medical professionals, right? And so, you know, I think sort of the 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 sort of the first aspect of this is that um, we we've seen which companies um, just are are really have strong leadership, and we're able to recognize that this is something that is going to you know, probably go on for several months. And so they quickly didn't just cross their fingers that business would go back to normals. They figured this is, you know, our lives are going to be changed for at least many months and probably much longer. And so, you know, what do we need to do immediately to, you know, survive and and thrive in this? And so, you know, if you go back to kind of the local, uh, whether they're part of uh, a chain or just local uh, you know one off uh, restaurants or businesses right what's what's the thing that we've seen most of them do immediately they added either pick up um, you know uh, call in or order online pick up at the store or ho- home delivery yeah i mean i i'm i consider myself pretty digitally savvy although I, I I am a okay boomer by age and definition <laughs> but you know I've been in the digital marketing space for you know 30 years if you will um and uh I had never used doordash before right and and because you know I live in the suburbs and wow. uh, uh, it just like getting in your car and driving to you know pick up uh, you know, food or coffee or or alcohol or uh, you know a a, a late night uh, McFlurry from McDonald's, whatever it is, uh, is was sort of just what you did. You didn't you know didn't necessarily think about paying somebody to deliver that. And so I think what we've seen is is that a lot of these. You know, uh, quick service restaurants and and uh, you know and retailers and stuff have, have quickly pivoted and tapped into these intermediaries like the the delivery companies and things like that um, to help help you know kind of stay afloat, right? Or we're even we're even seeing um, I don't know if you've you've seen this. We're seeing where um, you know companies in order to survive are just saying, Hey, buy a uh, gift certificates, right? Yeah. You know, you may not be able to take advantage of whatever our business offering is, but help support us and, you know, gift certificates something you can use in the future. Um, I know you were going
1: to, you were going to add something there. Well, you bring up an interesting point though, that I hadn't you know, really thought of before. I am always looking at it and what our business is doing, but what our consumers doing. And, you know, you just mentioned DoorDash and it's a perfect example of people who kind of end up being forced into a new behavior, a new consumption behavior. Will that stick when this is over? I mean, we never really got much delivery either where, where I am. And now that's what we do if we want takeout and well, darn it, if it isn't the easiest thing in the world. Um, and if I'm given the choice now between driving, you know, two and a half miles to pick up my burrito, or yeah. just having someone bring me my burrito, now that I know how easy it is to have someone bring me my burrito, that's something I'm probably going to stick with. I think there's probably, there's probably a lot of those consumer habits that have, you know, um, that may shift after this because of that.
0: Yeah, I think I think that you know that's. That, uh, you know, kind of one of those $64 million questions, right? In that um, what a lot of what a businesses are trying to understand is how much of these sort of shifts in our consumer behavior is going to stick and how much of it is going to be temporary. Um, you know, like the subscription businesses, right? The sort of the 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 Blue Aprons and a lot of those types of things are seeing sort of massive growth yeah. in their business. So they were already designed, uh, you know, to to kind of have this business model. But but they were they were also many of those companies were sort of struggling before. And that is, I don't know if you've ever sort of used some of those those services in that. They had the acquisition part down, but they didn't actually have sort of the customer service and customer experience part down. And now they're like swamped. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how many of them can, can actually, you know, in those cases where they, they were already sort of set in in sort of providing those kind of new, new models of services, whether they can actually you know, maintain it and maintain the customers that, that, that they've picked up. But the other part to your point is, is, you know, uh, and I know we'll, we'll probably get into it later. You know, I ordered some, some wine for the first time and have it delivered to my house. And so, as I mentioned, I, I, uh, I had a late night, uh, hankering for some ice cream because right, <laughs> right now when we're all in this, uh, you know, I mean, not necessarily happy times, right? Like ice cream just sounds good. So I literally have had uh, ice cream from McDonald's twice in the, in the in the last week. The first time, my daughter, uh, you know, just jumped in the car and and ran up and, and picked it up. And this time, she said she didn't want to do it, right? So, so I said, huh? And you know, g- gave gave it uh, uh, a, a try, and I was actually really impressed with how simple and seamless it was uh and you know i could see where the driver was as he was driving to mcdonald's and sitting there and then picking it up and so you know i walked to the front door because right when he he pulled up with his you know with his mask on and everything like that but there was two interesting things about that one is uh, i'm a bit of a california snob right and even though i share the last name with mcdonald's i don't eat at that restaurant chain once every 10 years. But here, you know, there was this experience that they made really easy. And Uh so, right. So it's, so part of the interesting thing to, you know, to your question is, is, you know, we might see a lot of companies pick up entirely new customers, right. Because they, they did make, sort of the you know the customer experience the purchase process so simple and, and easy they had it down um and secondly though you know how much of, of that will stay like will i continue to uh order you know wine to have delivered to 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 my house um uh, ongoing you know instead of picking it up at the store and i think for most of us that answer is going to be it's probably going to be kind of a mix. It's going to be depend on the items. Like one of the things that I've done is, um, I've ordered for the first time on Amazon, you know, toilet paper and paper towels and granola cereal, right? I, never in a million years would I have thought I would order those, those things. And I'm probably not going to continue ordering paper towels and, and, and toilet paper because it just preferred brands at the local, at Costco and Safeway and things like that. But, um, the cereal was incredibly cheaper right <laughs> <laughs> and i don't want to run out of my granola so you know the, the, that's a long answer but i think there's a lot of dependencies the other thing that that is really fascinating that that i didn't even really think about i was talking to a coworker who lives in in new york and we were talking about this sort of delivery pickup stuff and living in sort of Manhattan, like she doesn't have a car, right? So this sort of grocery delivery, all the sort of delivery stuff was already part of her life and how right. she lived where, you know, I don't know sort of where, where you live, but you know, I live in the suburbs and people in the suburbs like their cars. It's, you know, cause you go to the bank, you go get coffee, you do multiple things in one trip. And so the idea of picking up some groceries or wine, or toilet paper, or whatever it is, is just you don't you don't think about it, right? And so, I, I I think, and you know, I don't know. We'll probably get into this a little bit later, but just sort of the the data aspect of this, of understanding things like location, right, mm-hmm. and and the type of living situation that people are in, are are data points that are, are going to be you know key for companies going forward and understanding that. Even things like that, their consumers behave and buy and do things very differently.
1: So let's talk about that a little bit, because one of the things, you know, what we're seeing is kind of a rerouting of consumer journey maps based on, you know, unexpected circumstances. As someone who, you know, you have a lot of history in data and in um, artificial intelligence for, for marketing and you know, a company like Acoustic that does experience orchestration and marketing automation and, you know, kind of builds out what those customer journeys look like, how are we going to do that going forward? Has the customer, you know, will the customer journey shift so precipitously for some industries that it's, we simply don't know what it's going to be anymore? How, how can data help us make those choices when, when we kind of uh, come out of this and fall into a new normal
0: yeah so um you know fascinating uh, question and and you probably heard that that sound there that was somebody slacking me so let me uh let me try to get out of out of that um, yeah no
1: worries i yeah there's i feel like that has become a part of our just sonic ecosystem is everybody's bings and dings as we are all constantly on video conferences and you know so it's i think I'm like that's part of the new normal that's the new ambient noise instead of a dog barking in the background it's just everybody's pings and dings
0: yes so um sorry about that um uh, but uh, yeah, so I think you know one of the things that I think we're gonna we're gonna see is is that I think a a, a lot of marketers uh, when they think about sort of customer journey, customer experience, and data have been sort of somewhat reactive, right? Like when you think about. Um, how how most marketers use something like web analytics, right? It's tend to we tend to sort of look backwards, right? And so a lot of what I think is is going to have to change is is we're going to have to sort of change from this sort of reactive uh, nature of of sort of looking backwards uh, to much more of what I'm going to call a sort of proactive, predictive, and preventative sort of approach to think about uh customer experience and and journeys and 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 data and what i mean by that is you know first um as we've talked about is just sort of there there are um entirely new types of data that we are going to have to understand about our customers going forward right the things that that most of us marketers probably didn't didn't give a lot of thought to like we just talked about sort of you know location or you know, one of the things is that, you know, we we talk a lot in marketing uh, about sort of demographics and psychographics and customer segments and things like that. But, you know, if you think about a traditional uh, uh, physical in-store retailer, they, they, they often don't have data on their customers. Uh, of sort of, for example, their age, right? Unless unless they've done some appending or something like that, but yeah. uh, or they have a mobile app or something, right? Like during the, you know, email opt in experience or in store physical experience, right? Unless they've sort of have a multi channel, omni channel relationship with them, they're probably not capturing something as simple as 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 age. But think about how you know the difference between you know my daughters, which are twenty and twenty five. Uh, how they experience brands and and are you know probably much more sort of mobile centric et cetera that, than I am right an old you know boomer using the web on my computer right and um, and so understanding that. You know, like age all of a sudden takes on an entirely different meaning and importance and that it's not just about, you know, what types of clothes they want, but what channels to actually communicate to them in and what is their digital sort of expertise and stuff. And, you know, how comfortable are they, you know, using you know multiple channels and delivery services and mobile apps and you know and social media to to purchase and buy or or learn and things like that. so there's there's things like that that fundamentally we're gonna have to start capturing sort of new types of data, right? Um, n- another example is just when we think about segmentation, um, you know and the 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 example of of you know purchasing online for the first time, From a a a retailer, let's say that you already uh, frequent a lot in person. Is what is that behavior of somebody that has you know purchased multiple times with you versus a very very first time, right? That that experience, right? So what and how are they navigating your website, right? So if you're using Something like uh, a a tool that looks at at things like, you know, anomalies and struggles that looks at sort of what people are doing on your website. Can you tie those kind of segments uh, back to sort of, you know, an overlay on the data to discover that, oh, people that have purchased multiple times, you know, are are going down one path and, and their struggles are minimal, but they do have kind of one struggle here. But people that are first time experience have entirely, you know, perhaps many more types of sort of uh, experiences or journey, they clicking on different things. They're going in different places. They're doing things that they're struggling. Their core questions are not being answered. And so, you know, the only way you can make sort of sense of that data is by understanding, you know, who the, who those different types of customers are. And so, you know, all of that sort of comes back to sort of my idea around, you know, being proactive, predictive, and preventative in, in that, um, you know, it, it starts with the data. It always starts with the data and, and and having a better understanding of your customers, their preferences, their channels. But now it's, you know, what paths are they using? What what multiple channels are they using, right? Are they going web to mobile? Uh, are they going email to to web, like, and then how does that impact what their experience is? And so, at any rate, I'll I'll, I'll sort of stop there and let let you ask more questions. But I think it's, um, you know, it 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 does all come back to sort of data. And I think the sort of the one of the really surprising, or not surprising, but one of the permanent uh, imperatives that's going to come out of this this pandemic and impact on business models is the, the 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 absolute importance of 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 data and and ability to capture sort of you know new types of data that that feed into understanding that that customer experience right and we we've we've, we've uh, everybody's been talking about you know CDPs customer data platforms for the last couple of years yeah that that dream of bringing Finally, bringing the 360-degree view of our customers. Well, maybe one of the things that's going to come out of this is that those people that it was on the to-do list, you know, went well down. It's going to rise up to the top because because those back to sort of probably one of your first questions, right? Is those companies that that have been able to pivot and do well, right? Had you know, have that data, they have that sort of multi-channel experience down.
1: And that's the thing that, I mean, so many companies were struggling with that before. When we talk about this idea of adaptability, I mean, and of data, more than anything, marketers have to change the way that they think about and use their own data. This is more of a, you know, um, bringing it down to earth question. How do we do that as marketers? How do we... um, How do we start that journey if we were not among those very proactive organizations who already had their their data ducks in a row and their um, customer journey orchestration very locked down? How do you get started on that journey to bring you to a place where you really are seeing what the customer is doing uh, as opposed to what they have done so that you can make good decisions and improve their client experience?
0: Yeah, I think you know, sort of the, the 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 first thing or one of the first things is just just you know to to step back and and um, you know this it's sort of trite, and and it was very very popular years ago, but it but it it probably does start with doing those sort of journey maps, right? right. It's understanding um, who are the different uh, types of customers. I'll, I'll give you a really simple anecdote. I was working with a client of ours several years ago that that has um a sort of budgeting uh website and and mobile app right where you can track it pulls in all of your you know credit card accounts bank accounts uh, all of that thing and so you can track your your spent your spending and stuff the 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 difference between sort of, there, there were two sort of fundamental differences between sort of the web and the mobile uh, capabilities, right? The web, you could do proactive budgeting and things like that, where in the mobile app, you could only do, uh, basically track your expenses, if you will.
1: Yeah. And
0: and what they found is, is is that those two different user types were very different, right? Like the, the web people you might expect were older, the, the mobile app people were younger, but what they didn't realize was, was that the people that came in through the mobile app didn't actually know that the more advanced features and budgeting and things like that were actually available on the on the web. And so, you know, one of the first things they did was realize that they were, these customer types were having two completely different types of experiences. Yeah. And so what they did is they created onboarding programs to educate the people that came in through like the app store and downloaded the app and onboarded them with a multi-part, you know, sort of, you know, e- email nurture series to explain to them what they could do on, on the web. My, my sort of point of that story, is just really sort of simple in that, you know, it, it just starts with everything we've been talking about, right? Sort of. Customer segments and, and 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 experiences and journeys and just sort of starting with that sort of inventory of understanding who are our customers, how are they using us, right? And and in, in that example, you know, I, I actually met with them several times, and they had an you know obviously amazing amount of of data on you know which uh, which features, how many accounts their customers had had added, right? And so they they knew and were able to predict churn based on if you know if a customer had added one bank account versus you know two credit cards, a bank account, their retirement savings, blah, blah, blah. Right. You can yeah. sort of predict stuff like that. And so that's kind of, you know, maybe an extreme example, but the point of that is 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 it I think it does start with that sort of audit and inventory process and really understanding those different customer types, what what we do know about them, and then what we what we don't know about them, right? And I think that's sort of the the sort of the second piece of this that's coming out of uh, the sort of the you know the new rules in a new world, as I, as I like to call it, right now in this idea of, um, of now understanding, okay, what is the, what are the new types of data um, that that we have to have that uh, in order to understand how to make these customer experiences seamless and 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 better for for our customers right how do we how do we how do we you know uh, migrate these customers many of them as we've talked about into a new way to do business with us right? right and uh so you know sort of being able to make sure you you set up your systems to track that that behavior and start to identify customers into you know what we're probably talking about here, And Marie, is, isn't too entirely or excuse me, Mary Kate, sorry about that. Okay. And you can see and you can see where my brain is at. There's so much <laughs> going on. Um, yeah, that's that's the first point. Know who you're talking to.
1: <laughs> Always a good point, but now probably more pertinent than ever. Um. Yeah, that's,
0: that's probably uh, it's probably a good uh, good time for me to shut up for a minute there. <laughs>
1: No, I think that's, I think it's a point well taken and um, it's some good actionable advice as we kind of grapple as marketers with how to move forward from here. So I would say that one of the, I, I don't want to say there's anything good about this, but what if I look at things from a detached point of view, one of the things that I'm really interested in seeing is what new businesses are going to spring up out of this, you know, there's a lot of needs that have been identified that were never identified before. And I'm just curious, um, you've seen so much of innovation in the last 30 years and new businesses kind of coming to the forefront industries that didn't exist five, 10 years ago. Um, what do you think is going to spring up next? What needs have been uncovered that are going to generate really cool innovations from the from the business community? Yeah, this
0: is. It's. I mean, if if I knew, I would be running from this and going and starting uh, some new businesses. Right? <laughs> but, but you know, this, so a couple of things. One is, you know, I I I think you know. As you've mentioned, there's going to be kind of, you know, potentially some sort of forks in the road here, right? Is some industries, you know, let's take the sort of the airline and hotel industry who have been, you know, devastated. There's probably not going to be a lot of change in, in industries like that because it's difficult to sort of replace uh, the, the sort of the digital uh, or replace, you know, going to Italy. right. Right. For, for two weeks on vacation, uh, digitally. Yes, of course we, we, we are seeing, and we're going to see probably some innovation in, you know, in like virtual vacations. I've already heard some things like that, but I, but I don't think, you know, the airline hotel industry is, is going to go out of business because of that. Right. We still want to go physically go, go to New York and go to, you know, uh, go to the theater and, and, and do things like that. Um, what, what, what is going to be interesting is, is, you know, we talked about earlier on the calls, um, you know, things just like physical uh, events, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, seminars, conferences and things like that. I mean the event business is massive and and it's also like in, in our world or in my world in marketing, it's often the number one, uh, element of the marketing budget, right? Spend on, on, on events. I think we are going to see a lot of those businesses not get out of the in-person uh, business, but realize that this is sort of additive, right? right. And, uh, you know, and so there a lot of those businesses never did online events, right? And so I think we're going to see a lot of creativity and if, if you will in that in in packaging and merging and you know we're, we're gonna start seeing uh, you know sort of combinations right like maybe you go to a physical event for a conference like a two-day marketing conference mm-hmm. but it continues on after that right if, if you paid your you know, your $1,200 to attend that event, right, then you get to to participate in ongoing networking and learning and stuff after the fact, right, where people who didn't go, right, probably are going to have to, you know, pay to join and things like that. I think we'll see some interesting things there. Um, as we mentioned, um, subscriptions, I think, our uh, are, are fascinating area—the subscription model. There's whole sort of software businesses that have just been in companies created in the last few years yeah. to help companies manage these these sort of subscription models. You know, whether it's razors that are delivered, you know, the razor blades delivered to your house every other month, or you know, or food, or you know, wine, or whatever it is. And uh, I think we're going to see some. We already saw innovation in there, but I think people are going to be scratching their heads, going, "Huh, you know, yeah, do I want cereal delivered to, <laughs> to my house every month?" Right, and and we're, while you know, venture capitalists uh, probably you know pushed those people out the door quickly when they said, "You know, cereal of the month subscription club." they may not coming out of this, right? We we might see some, not entirely like new business models, but just product categories and things that didn't make sense anymore as people experienced it and tried it. Um, you know, I mean, you know, maybe there'll be a you know a McFlurry to my door once a week. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah,
1: <laughs> or maybe McDonald's um, will just get really good at knowing when Lauren needs to eat his feelings, and they'll just deliver a McFlurry to you without you even asking. There,
0: there you go. I think the one thing that that I'm pretty confident uh, that we're going to see a, a pretty sort of big rise of is the sort of the the click and pick, uh, or or you know whatever. Sort of terms you want to use it's actually very popular in like the u k um we're we're I think a little bit behind here in the u s but that has become sort of really popular here in the u s right where you order online and the, and then and then go go pick up and I think we we could see um, a lot of major retailers kind of really rethink their business. I I won't mention any names, but, but, you know, there've been some retailers in the headlines lately that are really struggling. They were struggling before the pandemic. And I I can see a lot of these major retailers realizing that they're just going to close their locations down and, and convert to like, like showrooms and pickup places, right? Where, yeah. where they're going to be tiny they're still going to have a presence at the mall, but it's going to be more like you go in, you look at, at, at various things, you know, almost like, you know, order catalog kind of things, but, but you can pick up, you can look online, you can do things, but the real estate costs are then minimal. Um, and then there'll be these sort of, you know, pickup locations, uh, uh so that you don't, you know, you don't have to pay for shipping and things like that. And so, um, I, I think, you know, I think that's one thing that I would not be surprised if we saw um, You know, especially in the US sort of a big big uh, You know pick up on if you will
1: Interesting I'll be I'll be fascinated to see how it all shakes out Well, I think we're at about time. So I wanted to thank you, Lauren, for joining us from Acoustic. If you're interested in learning more about Acoustic, you can do so at Acoustic.com. They're a fantastic partner to AMA Omaha. And I'd like to thank, as always, Parkville Media for doing our podcast production, especially remotely, so that we can all um, still talk to each other and and have these great conversations. This has been the AMA Omaha Actionable Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Mary-Kate Goulin. Have an excellent week.